All right, so uh, I have been in youth ministry for just a little bit, and I, I don't think that I'm out of it even at this point. Like, I still stay as connected as I can. Don't want to backslide, right, and go do something else. I want to stay in youth ministry where God really blesses and shines and smiles, right? That's what it's all about. How many of you have been youth pastoring for more than five years? Raise your hand. More than five years. Tell you what, let's just, let's just play it like a game. Let's do it like this. All right, stand up if you've been working with students for more than five years. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up. Come on, put your hands together for these people. Been at it more than five years. Remain standing if you would. Stand up if you've been d- doing uh, youth ministry as a volunteer or uh, part-time or full-time for more than two years. Stand up if you've been doing it for more than two years. Cool. All right. All right, cool. Stand up if you've been doing it for less than two years. You've been in youth ministry for less than two years, okay? Now, um, everybody should be standing for one of those categories right there if you're tracking with me. It's either more than five years, more than two, or less than two. Okay, so everybody... For the most part, unless you're just like, I don't even know why I'm in this session. I thought this was the missionettes breakout. What is going on right now? All right, so remain standing. Sit down if you've ever wondered, why am I working with students? Go ahead and have a seat if you've ever had that thought cross your mind. All right. All right. Stand up if you have ever been a part of a youth service, youth event, and you wanted to go and talk to a kid or a kid came up, but you forgot the student's name. Stand up. If you've ever forgotten a student's name before, stand up. Stand up, stand up. Sit down if you tried to cover it up by calling him, man, dude, what's up, girl, something like that. Just have a seat if you've ever tried to do that. Okay, stand up if you've ever had to lead worship in one of those settings. Stand up leading worship in any setting. Maybe it was youth ministry or otherwise, but just stand up. All right, so a few of you, if maybe you're like for real legit uh, worship leader, maybe you just had to improvise. You, you had a necessity, you had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. There's some stories attached to that little testimony. All right. So sit down if while leading you ever forgot the words while leading worship. Sit down if you ever forgot the words while you were okay. You're the only one who never forgot. No, Kate, stand it. Hey, don't be ashamed. Never forgot the words. Let's see if let's see. Let's see if you can survive this one right here, all right? So uh, sit down if you ever came in on the wrong part and you tried to improvise in freestyle with a moment. Did you ever do that? No, it's all pure. See, you're just, no, no, stay standing. Don't be ashamed. We all stand in awe of you. You're the only worship leader in history who's never forgot. Have, was it just one occasion or what did you you know, like years, it's just, some people just got it. Man, you can sit down just because you deserve a break. Go ahead and just have a seat right there. All right, let's just do a couple of more of these right here. Stand up if you've ever forgotten a student on a trip, any kind of trip, and you forgot a student. Come on, be honest. <laughs> Come on. Give it up. Come on, cheer them on. Took 20, came back with 19. We've all been there. All right, uh, stand if you've ever had a student get sick on a missions trip. Stand up. You ever taken a missions trip and, and students got sick? Okay, there's some stories right there. Stand up if you've ever preached or taught a Bible study or a, some type of Bible class. Stand up if that's you. Any type of Bible study, small group, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, you, you've shared some kind of lesson on that. Okay, good. So a lot of you. So then 
uh, sit down if you've ever preached a message and later realized that it was not even theologically sound. Go ahead and sit down if you ever had that happen. <laughs> so for those of you that are still standing, is that nobody corrected your theology, all right? <laughs> sit down if you're glad to be at a quip. Okay, go ahead and sit down. <laughs> So if you've, if you've never looked back at one and go, you know what, I now realize that's not what that scripture means, <laughs> or it's because you have not grown in your understanding of the Bible, nor do you have people accountable that you're accountable to, come on and be like, hey, bro, that's not in the Bible, that was a fortune cookie, you know, or something like that. If you've never had that happen, you've got to look a little more closely. Well, I, I want to talk to you uh, just in this session, uh, and it ends at, is it ends at 12, 12, 15, okay. 12, somewhere between 12 and 12, 15, 12, Around 12, we'll, we'll try to bring the plane in for landing, do a little Q&A maybe, do something like that. Or if it's going really bad, we'll end here in about 10 minutes and we'll all go get a coffee. We'll just go do that, all right? This is going to be a winner somehow in all of this. Uh, I, I want to talk to you just on this thought of 10 first downs in youth ministry. So if you're taking notes, you can just jot that down on your phone or, or maybe you have like in the in the conference manual or whatever, you can just take some notes here. I want to talk to you about 10 first downs of youth ministry. And my apologies right out of the gate if you're not a sports fan. How many do enjoy watching sports? Anybody enjoy sports? So even when I say like first downs, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Who already, right out of the gate, I've already lost you. are like first down. What does that mean? First down. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so a few of you don't. So sports analogy, all right, it's referring to the football world football. Who's heard of football? Raise your hand. You've heard of, heard of football. Okay. So football analogy. And what you try and do in football is you try to score a touchdown. You try and get in the end zone. You try and take your team into the end zone and score a touchdown. That's how you get points. You want to score a touchdown. But what you have to do along the way is that you get four tries to get a first down. You have to get 10 yards to get a first down. And if you get the first down, you get I'm losing you already. But anyway, you want some first downs so you can get to a touchdown. Here's what I discover about youth ministry. It's a lot of times we can become obsessed with the sensational and super excited and consumed about the big moments and the big events, but we underestimate the small steps that get us there. Uh, I would even describe youth ministry, still sports analogy, but we'll switch over to basketball in case any of you are like, okay, now I have heard of that or I have seen that except for the game last night. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. So in, in basketball, here's the way youth ministry works a lot of times. is Have you ever seen a basketball game or a clip to where someone took the ball and they threw it across full court, like from one side of the court, they took it full court, and they throw it and launch it, and it goes in. Anybody ever seen that before? Like maybe some highlight or some clip like that. You can't believe it. It goes in. And that's the way a lot of times it works in youth ministry because probably like nine times out of ten or 99 times out of 100, whatever the NBA stat would be, if you throw the ball, you're not going to make that full court shot. But when you do, it's absolutely amazing. And that's a lot. A lot of youth ministries kind of operate like that. It's just one try after another. Wham. Throwing it up in the stands. But every now and then, one goes in, and we go, I'm still called, you know, and we stay in the game. Because every now and then, something lands. 
Every now and then, you know, service after service, you're like, are they listening? They're falling asleep. They're picking their nose. They're, they're mad. Parents are cussing me out. You know, I, I wrecked the, the church van. It's just like, oh, miss, miss, miss. And then one, one parent will come up and say, hey, Johnny really enjoyed the other night. You just tear up. <laughs> did he really? What did he say? Exactly. You know, you just need that. And, and so sometimes we can get so caught up in the touchdown that we lose sight of the significance of the first down. So what, what I wanted to do today is just to share 10 maybe not so sensational things, 10 things that maybe aren't the, the explosive, uh, highlight reel, uh, wow, can you believe it happened things, but they're 10 first downs that I would suggest will get you to the touchdowns that we're all praying for and after. So I, I want us to look at these 10 things. We'll try to go quickly. Uh, and I'm, I'm intentionally starting with some of the even less than, less than exciting ones. All right? So I'll just prep you. I'm lowering the bar. You ever seen a spooker do that before? Lower it so much. Like, whatever do? Like, what wasn't as bad as he made it sound. You know, so that's what I'm doing right out of the gate on these. So it's not going to be anything that sounds super exciting. or tra- You're like, wow! It's not going to be that. Have I lowered your expectations enough? All right, are we there? All right, because this is a first down that is underestimated. Number one is this. Guard your health. See, nobody said amen, nobody said preach it, nobody said come on, nobody said hallelujah. You're just like, should I even write that down? Like, do I even need to write that down? Number one, guard your health. And here's why I say that. (laughs) Because of the fact that I have been in ministry for nearly 30 years now, I'm kind of looking back over my shoulder and I'm going, health matters. I realize that Physical health is actually a spiritual issue. And the way I take care of myself actually affects the way I'm able to do what God has called me to do. And for some reason, when we start off in youth ministry, a lot of times we just feel so invincible. How many of you have, by your own choosing, you did it, you created that schedule, whatever that camp, that retreat, that all night or whatever it was, and about halfway through, when you've lost your salvation, you know, you're, 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 you're like, I don't think I'm an atheist, but I'm starting to want, you know, you're, you're in the middle of that, and you want to be mad at somebody, but you're the one who put the schedule together. Have you ever had a moment like that? I've done that. It's like, Why? You know, or, or having students over the house and hanging out and they're, they're still playing video games, you know, just, just acting crazy, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you've got to be back at the church the next day at 7. You're mad, you're angry, you can't preach, you can't teach, you don't love anybody. And like, why did that happen? You, you did it, I did it to me. Like our physical health is like a spiritual issue. But for some reason it takes a lot of us, a long time to look back and go, if I don't want to be exhausted in the morning, if I go to bed at a decent hour, wait a minute, is it? Yeah, if, yeah, I'm seeing a pattern. If I, like, why does it take us so long? You're like, man, this is, is, that, a, is that even a first down? I'm telling you it's a first down. Let me, let me give you a scripture just in case you're like, well, can you find anything in the Bible? Well, this is close. It's a little bit of a stretch, but let's try it. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. It says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. 
but skill will bring success. I would just say it's easier to be an effective leader when you've had a good night's sleep. It's easier to serve more effectively when you're just taking care of your physical health. Let's keep moving. We've got we to gotta move through each of these. But just another part on guard your health, not just your physical health, but your mental health. Can I just encourage you to guard your head space? Just guard your head space. Like, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Like, the Word of God challenges us to, have, to live with the mind of Christ, to, to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Like, what goes on in our heads is so important because you will find yourself living in peace or outside of it. Much of the reasons, not so much the stuff that's going on around us, but it's the stuff that's going on in here. So again, have you ever talked with a student and they're like, just pray for me. Just pray that God would deliver me from fear. Oh, you're struggling with fear. Yeah, I just, I just last night, I could not sleep. I just nightmares all night. And you're like, well, tell me about it. What, what was going on? Well, we'd gone to this horror movie, you know, and we, we watched four of them, you know, and then whatever, then went to sleep. And you're like, you watched the horror movie, you went to bed, and you had nightmares, and you're praying for deliverance. Stop watching horror movies. Like, have you ever counseled somebody like that? And it could be a relationship issue. It could be a peace issue. It could be whatever. And you're looking at them going, I need a breakthrough. And you're like, or? <laughs> like, for real, have you ever prayed? Like, financial breakthrough. You know, and they just got everything. The latest iPhone, you know, and Apple Watch. All this stuff. Just you need God to provide. I just need a breakthrough. You're like, no, you need a budget. You know, have you ever counseled somebody like that? And so it is just with mental peace. Like you just guard this. Pay attention to it. It doesn't have to be like super complicated. And then this last piece on guard your health is guard your spiritual health. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, above all else. Somebody say everything. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Man, if I only had one session and it could only make one point, this would be it. Like if I just, because I so love and appreciate and respect youth leaders and what you do and the, 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 the work that God has called you to and the way that you serve, if I just had one, just one point that I could make or just, just one moment to stop and just try and encourage you with something, it would be this point right here. Because if you fail at everything, but succeed to walk with Jesus, you win. If you win at everything, but fail to walk with Jesus, you lose. That alone should be motivation for me to say, I've got to keep the, the main things, the main things. I've got to make sure that above all else, I'm walking with God, that I have a spiritual vitality, that I'm, that I'm keeping it real with my relationship with Jesus because who I am in Christ so trumps anything I ever, quote unquote, will do for Christ. Because God did not need us, therefore he created us so that we could do something that he needed, Right? He created you because he wanted you. So when we get so caught up in doing things for him and then we lose sight on just being with him and walking closely with him and just loving him and worshiping him, we've missed the whole point. So above all else, guard it. Can I just encourage you to keep it real in your relationship with Jesus? 
And I don't even have to be a prophet to make this next point, this next guess. There are people in a room this size, you're struggling with stuff. All of us are struggling with stuff. There's some of you that feel trapped by some stuff. There's some of you that are harboring unconfessed sin in your life right now. You feel bound. You feel stuck. You're like, man, why would you say it so emphatically? Because I've been in youth ministry for longer than five minutes. And I just know how this goes. And I don't want you to feel alone. I don't want you to feel trapped. And so my appeal to you is, above all else, like fail at everything else. Don't miss this right here. Like you don't have to feel trapped. You don't have to feel stuck. You don't have to feel like, man, there's no way out. There absolutely is. You just need to find somebody who's wise enough, trustworthy, godly enough that you can just share 100% with and shine a light on that so that the devil does not keep you cornered, isolated, in fear, hopeless, alone, in the dark. Get out of that. Go to somebody. Talk with Kirby afterwards. Like Find somebody that you, that you trust and that you respect. That you can just say, here's the totality. of. It. Don't give them some of it. Give them all of it. I'm walking with a dear friend right now through a situation where he's out of ministry right now because of something. And I'm watching what it's doing to him, watching what it's doing to his family. And this is what he told me. Just I, He said, I did not come to you because I was even asking because we're close enough friends. I would say things like, bro, are you good? Are you looking at pornography? Are you flirting with any other ladies? Are you being honest? Like, I'm just direct. We have that kind of relationship. It was direct. And it was so weird because, see, to my face was like, no, I'm good. No, nope, I'm not doing any of that. Be sure of this. Your sin will find you out. Like, God's not going to be mocked. At some point, it is exposed. And so I was talking with the master. I was like, man, Why? He said, I was so afraid of what would happen if I told you. But here's the deal. Every day that you wait, the collateral damage gets worse. The enemy wants you to think that there's going to be a better time in the future. There's no better time than right here and right now. I don't mean like come up to the mic. I'm just talking about like today is the best day. For you to confess sin and come clean. You're like, man, I thought we were talking about football and first downs, and now you just went all like that on us is because I care. And if I could only make one point, that would be it. Like, you may not have the largest student ministry in the world. Wow, touchdown. But you can say, I talked to Jesus this morning. First down. You ever seen those dudes when they get a first down? Like some of them, like a guy receiver goes and he catches the ball and he hits the ground really hard. Bam! Hits the ground. Maybe somebody can't tackle it. Wham! But he didn't even score a touchdown. You ever seen this before? And whenever they get up, they jump up and they go. You ever see them do that? Why do they do that? What does that mean? First down. Why are you so excited about a first down? Because he understands something a lot of youth pastors don't. It's like, I may not have gotten yet where I'm wanting to go, but there's still life. There's still progress. There's still opportunity. So we're not all going, oh, touchdown. But he's going, you know what I know? First down. 
And for some of you, you need to quit underestimating the first down and just going, I need to go to somebody and be real. It's a first down. Somebody say first down. All right, let's go quickly now. I know that was heavy. Sorry, but I told you I wanted to get that kind of stuff right out of the gate. So you'd be like, oh. <laughs> All right, number two, guard the voices in your life. Like, I know it's just a first down. It's not spectacular. I'm talking about some things that have to do with you. Then I'm going to get to your ministry in just a moment. But guard the voices in your life. When I was a kid, my grandmother, I called her Mimi. What would you call your grandmother? Tell me on three. One, two, three. Grandma, Mama, Grammy, Nana, Gigi. I had my Mimi and my Mama. My Mimi, when I was a little kid, she'd say, Little Scotty, you're going to be a preacher one day. You're going to be a preacher. She'd tell me over and over, you're going to be a preacher one day. And guess what? She was right. She knew it way back when. I didn't know it, but she knew it. She spoke it. Scotty, you're going to be a preacher one day. She was right. Then, then my dad told me when I was in high school, he said, you keep working hard. He said, you keep working hard. You're, you're developing as an athlete. He said, you can play college football and get a scholarship. You keep working at it. And guess what? He was right. It was crazy. He spoke that. He kept telling me, and I kept working. He was right. And when I started off in youth ministry, there's this pastor that was, that was there at our, our youth service one night. I remember when he was standing in the hallway and he told me afterwards, he said, one day, we, I don't even know what we had, maybe 100, maybe less students at the time. He said, one day, he said, you're going to be a youth pastor of a student ministry of, of over 1,000 students. Check it out. He was right. It's like their power. He was right. He said it. I didn't know, but he was right. I had a professor in college who told me I was in college. He said, you can be a millionaire by the age of 40. And guess what? He lied. That joker, <laughs> I need to look him up. Listen, you got to be careful about the voices that you have in your life because there are people saying stuff to you. There's people like, who, who right now would be, you know, I say it out loud, but think in your mind, who are the loudest voices in your life right now? And what is that impact having on you? Be very selective about the voices in your life. I love spending time with older and wiser leaders because it gives me a perspective that I would not have otherwise. I just love it. I need those kind of voices in my life. Guys who've been where I want to go, but they can tell me about their journeys between where I am and where they are. Do you have a voice or two or three like that, that you just say, man, I like to go and just listen. We need that. Here's a third uh, first down. So on that last one, you know, if you're looking at it and you're just like, well, you know what, I, I, I have to say that uh, everything's not going the greatest. You know, I actually wrecked the budget the other day and that didn't work. Well, can you say that you're guarding the voices in your life? Then if so, say first down. Number three, commit to personal growth. This is a first down. It's not anything spectacular. You won't hear bells and, 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 and alarms going off or confetti flying or something like that, but it's just a first down for you. Commit to personal growth. Let me ask you this question. How are you planning to be better this year than last year? But I want you to take just a second to answer that in your mind. Like, how are you? Answer this. How are you planning to be better this year? Than last year. Question. How do you anticipate growing as a speaker? You're just going to be a better communicator. You're going to be more effective in 
delivering messages about Jesus. How is that going to be better this year than last year? Have you even thought about that? Who have you invited in to speak into that? Are you your own judge as to whether or not you're effective or growing more effective? When was the last time you asked somebody to speak into how you're communicating? You said, hey, tell me some feedback and some thoughts. How do you anticipate growing as a leader? Have you thought about it? I just know it's not all flashy. I know it's just not like, wow, it's just a first down. But one of the greatest and most overlooked traits of a growing leader is a teachable spirit. Now, I just wonder by a show of hands, and this is, this is, I'm not setting you up. This is like, this is just to make a point, and we're all, how many of you just by a show of hands would say, you know what, uh, I live with a teachable spirit. I want to have a teachable spirit, like for real. Like I, I'll wait and let you finish typing because I want everybody to participate. Okay, I want us all to vote, class. All right, ready? You consider yourself to be a teachable person. Come on, raise your hand, right? Because most all of us do. As a rule, you don't look at it and go, nope, not me, uh-uh. I know it all. Like nobody says that. But the question is, how do I respond when somebody gives me something that they feel like I need to learn? So the issue is not, do I consider myself to be teachable? The real issue is, do I live with a teachable spirit? But you got to know, all of us have a me that we can't see. All of us do. We all have blind spots. All of us do. There are things about your life you cannot see clearly that you need another perspective. You need another set of eyes. But listen, there's a difference in having blind spots and a blind mind. Blind spot means I can't see it. I need you to show it to me. Blind mind is I don't want to see it. I refuse to see it even when you point it out. We all have blind spots. I get to choose whether or not I have a blind mind. I just tell you, for me, like, I I work really, really hard at communicating. I know I'm still not the best at it today, so don't judge me off of today's capacity or competency. Don't do that. I just would want to warn you on how bad it would be if I have not worked at this. But I've worked at it. And just about every time I speak, depending on the venue, there are about two to three people who will speak into my presentation. Between services on Sundays, there are usually two to three people who will say, here's what needs to change for the next service. And some of you may be thinking that's obsessive or just like, man, are you, are you just paranoid or what? It's like, I'm really not. I'm just, I'm just hungry to do it better. And if you're sitting there and you're hearing me up here say something and it's the wrong scripture reference or something's out of context or it's bad grammar. Listen, some of y'all got some bad grammar and you don't even know it. Everybody else knows it, but you don't know it. Use that same word wrong every time. And everybody else on this side is going, and you don't even know it. It's because you've never opened it up and made it safe enough For somebody to say, hey, by the way. And for me, I'm figuring, if I'm going to have a lot of people looking at me and listening to me, bro, if my zipper's down, I need you to tell me. I need somebody. Is it? Oh, okay. (laughs) But do you just invite that? 
So my point just being, I know that something like that, you don't come to a session and go, man, just talk to him. I just, I got to hear that. I want to, I'm just giving you a first down. That keeps you moving in the direction that you want to go so that you can score a touchdown. I'll talk more about this whole improvement and, and teachable spirit. I've got a lot of thoughts on it that, that really fire me up and are very practical on what I do and how I do it. I'll talk about it in the next session. If you're, if you're a part, we'll, we'll go deeper on that. But listen, I just want you to know, you may not be the greatest leader in the world. John Maxwell may not ask you to write a foreword for his next book. But if you can just step back and say, you know what? I'm getting a little bit better this year than I was last year. You need to jump up. And you need to say, come on, say it with me, first down. May not be a touchdown, but you're making progress. Number four, tell your friend right now you're awesome. Tell the person next to you, say, you're awesome. Tell them, but you can be more awesomer. You can be more awesomest. All right, number four, here it is, little things that make a big difference, just a first down, not a touchdown, but it's be an encourager. Number four, be an encourager. I mean, you may not be a student magnet like you wish that you were, but you don't even have to be a hipster youth leader with all the lingo, with all the clothing. You don't have to have a million followers to be a world-class encourager. And guess what? In youth ministry, there's a shortage. Just people who are genuinely, sincerely committed to where when a student interacts with you, They walk away just feeling a little bit better having interacted with you. That's not even rocket science, is it? That's not like, wow, is it? That's just intentionality and a commitment that says, I want to be the type of leader that sees the best, that believes the best, that speaks life, that writes a note. Send a text, but sometimes drop a note. And I would encourage you, pay attention to high-impact moments. Pay attention to high-impact moments. There will be times where students are experiencing the highest of their highs and the lowest of their lows. And in order to be a great youth leader, you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to have all the best sermons. If you can just be present and be a voice of encouragement and celebrate the highs and comfort and encourage them through the lows, you will make an impact that will be lasting. Don't underestimate your words. So on the high, something goes great. They scored a touchdown. They, they made the debate team. They, they performed in the, in the school play. You know, whatever it be. Highest of the highs. Are you there throwing your voice into that going, way to go. Good job. I saw that. We're proud of you. You're up front going, hey, before we start tonight, I just want to say great job to so-and-so the other day for doing this. Come on, give it up. You're just a voice of encouragement. The highest of the highs. Be there and encourage in the lowest of the lows, just have the, the voice of encouragement. Hey, man, I heard that your, your parents are going through a hard time. So sorry, man. You okay? I'm here for you. Hey, you're going to get through this. Oh, you didn't make the team? Hey, man, you're good. You didn't make it this time. Maybe you'll take another swing. You'll get another shot. 
Let me go take you a cheeseburger. It makes everything better. Just a voice. Just present. You may not be the, the one has all of the answers, and, and, and you may not have uh, focus on the family calling you to do a show and say, can you just pour out your wisdom? But if you can look at it and say, one of the things I've determined to do is I can be an encourager. What is that? It's a first down. Let me give you number five. It says create a large front door and close your back door. We're talking about now as a ministry what you can do to get some first downs. You can create a large front door and close your back door. The first thing I would say is in order to have a large front door, like students coming in, the best way that I could encourage you to do it, one of the most effective things that we did in our student ministry is just actually equipping and training the students to be soul winners themselves. Beyond our programs, beyond our giveaways, beyond our theme nights, beyond whatever, is just helping us. Because why? The Word of God's doing the heavy lifting. If your students really love God, if they've really bought in, there's going to be a desire to do the will of the Lord, to carry out the, 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 the Word of God, to live it out. And so if they are doing that, there's, that's the best front door that you will get. Now, there are different ways that you can go about it. I didn't always go about it the best way. When I first started off in youth ministry, our entire youth ministry could fit on this front row right here. And so we, we basically had a row. We had a row of students, and, and there was me. I didn't need a microphone because it was just this front row. And we were in a small classroom about maybe a third of the size of this room, this whole youth ministry right here. And, uh, man, it was, it, was, it was rough. Kirby talked about a cappella, leading worship. That was my story. That was my song. So I, I remember leading them and being like, hey, let's all stand in worship. And I was trying to get them to clap, and I was trying to sing, and it was bad. And so I was like, I think the Lord would be honored if we stop and just sit down. Like, I think God would be most glorified. <laughs> he would be worshipped if we just stop right now. Just I remember that. I, I remember like preaching my heart out and being like, who wants to do that? Who wants to live for God? And nobody moved. Nobody budged at all. I was like, let's just wrap up in prayer. I remember that moment. I remember those feelings. Are just. But here's one thing that I determined to do. I'm not saying it was best. I'm not saying it was right. As a matter of fact, I'd say there's probably a wiser way. But every week when we would end, I'd say, I want you to write down the students that you're going to pray about Watch your divine appointments and talk to Jesus about this week. Write it down right now. I want you everybody to write it down. So they'd write down their list of three to five people. But then I would collect that. And then the next week, whenever they came in, I would go down the row. Some of you are like, are you, did you, I did. I'm not saying it was the best thing in the world, but I would start with student number one. I'd be like, okay, seems like we had Freddie, Bobby, Joey, and, and Larry right here. How did it go? And they're like. Well, I, I was, it was really a busy week. It was a lot going on. I said, so you, you didn't talk to him about Jesus? Well, no, it was just it was a lot. Was, we had a lot of things going on. School's crazy and everything. I was like, man, people dying and going to hell. People, they don't know Jesus. You put them down. They don't know Jesus. No, and you didn't even talk at all. You didn't even mention Jesus this week? No, I was like, hey, everybody just stretch your hands toward him. My brother's lost his way. He needs, let's just pray. And I'd go down the line. So they knew every week coming in, you're like, how did any of them stay? Most of them at their point, at that point, their their parents were in the prayer meeting. They had to come. They couldn't run. You know, they had to attend youth ministry. But here's what they learned: is like we're just not going to play a game and say people are dying and going to hell. Because I get to the next one, it's like, hey, what about you? I, I don't know anybody who's not. You don't know anybody. What school you go to, man? I that school you got there. You never met any of them. You don't know anybody at the whole school. 
Hey, let's pray for our brother. He, needs, he, he just needs some help on meeting some unsaved people. Come on, let's pray for him right now. I would do that. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying the most effective way that I found on a big open door is not just throwing gimmicks at everything, but it's raising up young people understand if that's what the Bible says and if that's what I'm saying I'm basing my eternity on, I'm going to do it. And if you have found hope and life in Jesus Christ, you can't help but tell somebody about it. I'm saying, what is a first town? You may not have a million get saved on that outreach night, but can you say, you know what? I'm trained, I'm taking a step. It's a first town. I'm training our young people. It's all about you telling your friends about Jesus. And then have a fun night, have a theme night, do some giveaways and do things like that, but then make sure that you close the back door. How do you close the back door? You ever looked at your, maybe your, attendance or something like that, and you look back and you realize, man, this year we had 143 first-time guests, and we grew by two people. Come on, don't, don't act like you hadn't had that happen before. You know, you've seen something like that. or you said, We had 412 salvations, grew by one, you know, something like that. We've all been there, but we look at that, and then we have to say, what is my response to that? Well, what can I do to help close the back door? And I was just trying to think of just the most just simple, practical, quick thing that I could hit. And it would just simply be this. Students who come in through that front door just need to be known and needed. They just need to be known and needed. Did anybody notice when they came? Does anybody notice when they're not there? When you notice that they're not there, what do you do? All kinds of systems, all kinds of approaches, but what do you do to help them feel known and needed? Give them a friend, give them a job. Give them a friend, give them a role. Give them a friend and something to do, and you will see an increase. I'm not saying that you're going to have a touchdown of every first-time guest ever stayed. I'm just talking about a first down of closing the back door. I want you to know that if you can help them to find a friend or connect with a friend, you have significantly increased the chances of them staying locked in and growing in your student ministry. If we focus so much on just all of the bells and whistles, but we miss that one, students, hear this, students would rather go to a lame youth ministry with their friends than the coolest youth ministry ever alone. Isn't that true? But we spend a lot of effort on making it a wow night, and we can lose sight of they need to be needed and known. It's just a first down, but it will help you. Number six would be this. Build on your influencers. Build on your influencers. Like, build a great core. And when it comes to students, when it comes to leaders, when it comes to volunteers on your team, we need all kinds of leaders. We need introverts. We need extroverts. We need those who are media savvy. We need those who are upfront, charismatic type personalities. Like, like how, how many of you would consider yourself uh, an extrovert? Raise your hand if you consider yourself an extrovert. All right. How many of you would consider yourself an introvert? Did you even notice the difference right there? I said, how many of you are extroverts? You're like, how many of you introverts? And they're like, yeah, don't look at me. You know, it's just different, different personalities. Some of you walk into them like, hello, everybody. Others of you are like, how can I slip in and nobody notice? We're all wired differently. 
And when you look at youth ministry, we think that we need the people who are on this stage going, hey, here's the crazy time. Hey, it's youth ministry. We're supposed to act like this. Ah! But we don't only need that. We need people who can think methodically, who can think analytically. We need people who can be administrative, who can be organizationally gifted. And so if you want to take a first down, just open up your mind and your thoughts to the kinds of leaders that you have on your team and what you would like to have as it relates to the students. Can you identify, I know that you can, but have you intentionally identified what you consider to be like the influential students in your group or the bell cows, to use a farming analogy, but just someone, when when they say, I'm going to Starbucks, and all the other students go, we are too, and they just say, we're all going to Starbucks. There's usually somebody who says, I'm going to this, here's what we're going to do, and then a group of your students naturally go that direction. If that's the case, why not work through the influence? for your student ministry. Go to him or her and say, I want you to be the first one to sign up for camp. Now, they've signed up for camp, and you're up here giving the promo. Hey, don't forget camp. I know that. Ringleader Rodney over here. Don't call him ringleader in front of everybody. I know Rodney has signed up for camp. I know it's going to be great. You're just working through influencers. Take Rodney Take Sally, take the others who are influencers and bring them close and say, I want you to help me with my upcoming sermon series. What do you think students want to hear or need to hear on this topic of such and such? Now they're speaking into it. You say, hey, what about an illustration? How, what would that even look like? What's a story about that? Oh, one time, I'd, oh, man, that's great. I can't wait. Can I tell your story? Now, how many of you know you're not going to have to tell Rodney, make sure you're at youth group Wednesday. Oh, he's going to be there. But not only is he coming at school or on Sunday around his other friends, he's like, bro, you got to come Wednesday night. It's going to be so cool. They're telling the story of that one time when I ran out of gas. At, they're going to be talking about it. So what are you doing? You're working through your influencers. They will always come to an event that they own. Number seven, create a culture of improvement. He's just a first down. I'm going to hit this one and run because I'm going to talk about it more and go deep in the next session. But your ministry can be better if you simply are committed to taking a step. Do an event. Capture your wins and your learns. Apply them when you do it again. So you had a retreat. What worked? Make a note to do it again. What did not work? Make a note to not do that again. Now have another retreat. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's just a first down. It's not a touchdown, but it's not rocket science, and you can find yourself taking those incremental steps towards the win that you want just because you are committed to a culture of improvement. Number eight, own your school. You may have two or three schools in your area. You may have four or five schools in your area, and, and at some point it would be great if you had influence on all of them. 
but it would be really cool if you had at least one that you determine you're going to own that school by way of serving it, loving it, and caring for it. Kirby, if you wouldn't mind, if you could take just a minute. I, I heard the story about what happened uh, where you were called. Uh, I think it was your dad telling me about it, but that something had happened in the area, and they reached out to you, and I'm going to butcher it all up. That's why I want you to tell the story. Can you take a minute just to tell what happened because you guys were there and present and served and how it opened the door? Sure. Um, well, in our just a quick rundown. Our school did not want me around. The school had no idea. They, I walked on the campus. They said, you're not welcome here. We don't want you. You'll never be back in these grounds again. Long story short, um, I just got involved whenever I could, wherever I could, just loving students, loving people outside of the school hours. And then we had a school shooting in our school. And uh, two kids were shot and killed. And in that moment, the first person that the school called was me. After they, of course, called 911 and got people like that coming. And then they said, would you call all of the other churches in town? To that point, our town was like 98% Catholic, and they would never even think of calling us. But when a tragedy hit, they said, hey, if there's one place that we know knows students and cares about students, love students, we've got to get a hold of them. So I went, they called me, went to the school um, walked in the door, and, or walked up to the police line. They said, you got to get out of here. And the one guy who's, on, who's from town, because they had troopers from everywhere, they said, the one person we need right now is that guy. And so they walked me past this, the police line and sat me down with the two parents of the kids who'd just been shot and killed in the school, just as the bodies were still in the building. And, uh, just, but it was all just because of being present and being, you know, being there and just loving on people open the door for when there was something that really needed to happen, you know, then. That's crazy, man. Is that, is that the same school to where it ended up, like, the youth ministry logo is on the football field at the 50-yard line? Yes. So, yeah, 25 years ago, they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow us in the school. Now, the youth ministry logo is on the field. We buy a lot of their jerseys. We buy a lot of their uniforms. Isn't that insane? Like, go and try that. Like, just go ahead. Just try it. But, like, I was just curious if you guys be willing to put our youth ministry logo on your 50. Just go try it. Like, i just love to see how that goes for you. But what happens is just the consistency of serving. Listen, your, your goal is just not to go in and say, can we get our logo on the 50-yard line? A first down is just to say, how can I serve? I had a principal that called me one day. I remember being on the phone and the principal saying, listen, if you tell anybody about this phone call, I'll deny it and call you a liar. But here's the situation. You didn't hear it from me. We could really use your help. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. I don't, that's shady. I don't even know what I should do in a moment like this. Like, it was wild. But that kind of stuff happens when you're just committed to the first downs of just going, I just want to serve. I hear for what I can get, but what I can give, I want to make a difference. Here's number nine. We've got a few minutes, so I'm going to hit these last two really quickly. Number nine, a first down would be in youth ministry. Be intentional about ministering to the whole family, not just the student. After uh, all these years in next-gen ministries as a whole, I'm convinced more than ever that one of the biggest secrets to reaching and building kids and youth is by focusing on ministering to the entire family. But if I ask you today, what is your plan to minister to the dads of those in your youth ministry, what would you say? If I said, how much time are you giving to reaching a dad or working with the dad, supporting them, what would you say? Don't feel bad or guilty because for most of us, it would be like, I hadn't even thought about that. 
or very little. But let me tell you a stat. Because I don't know how you feel like you're doing on your percentage of students that you're reaching and keeping and still living for God in the future. I don't know how great you feel like your batting average is. But listen to this. 93, 93% of families will follow when the father takes an active role in his faith and walking with Christ. When fathers are not active in their faith, 60%, 60% of children will stop attending church or leave the faith altogether, even if their mother still attends regularly. So if I'm just saying I'm a youth leader and I care about points on the board, I'm wanting to win, but I don't have an even given thought or any strategy to ministering to the dads, I'm so obsessed with this launching full court and hoping that it goes in, I've missed some of the most practical, easy steps of just saying, man, I need to give some thought to ministering to a dad. Tenth and final, first down is this. You do these ten things, you score a touchdown. Number ten is this, just stay in the game. Just stay in the game. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, if, somebody say if, if we do not give up. Stay in the game. It's one of the treasures of this district. It's one of the most awesome models that you have right in front of you are people who did not jump out just when it got hard, did not give up just because they got tired. But they're modeling the uh, exponential compounded results and fruit of longevity in ministry. Because if you'll do these first sounds that we just talked about, you don't have to do them perfectly. You don't have to be the greatest preacher in the world. You don't have to have all these. You don't have to be the coolest. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to run a million students. You don't have to be the best uh, outreach. You don't have to just be an encourager. Do a little bit better this time than last time. See what I'm saying? It's just like purpose that you're going to take care of yourself and walk with Jesus. That's nothing spectacular. Oh, I'm just taking steps, and I'm staying with it, and I'm still with it, and I'm still in it. And there will come a point where by the grace of God in heaven, if not sooner, that you'll look back and realize that the first downs have caused you to score all kinds of touchdowns and all kinds of credit, all kinds of points, all kinds of fruit that will remain for all of eternity because you did not underestimate the first downs of youth ministry. We're out of time, so if you have any questions and answers, I will start.